It's episode 92 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. I have exciting news coming from our friends over at Rasa. I know a lot of you are already on the Rasa train, but for those of you who haven't tried it yet, Rasa coffee is a coffee alternative that's made of adaptogens with no caffeine. These adaptogens are super herbs. They help you combat and cope with stress while also providing a natural and healthy energy boost. The biggest question I get about Rasa is does it taste like coffee or what does it taste like if it doesn't taste like coffee? And I will tell you, no, it doesn't taste like coffee, but it does still provide that hearty, robust, earthy, warm beverage that you want in the morning when you wake up. I know that's kind of the first thing I crave when I wake up, and Rasa does it for me without the caffeine or the jittery feeling that comes with it. The cool thing is that now Rasa has come out with two new flavors, and you are going to want to get your hands on them. First, there's the Cacao Rasa. This is a blend of the original Rasa with cacao beans. The combo creates a rich chocolatey beverage that is so good, and it's great as a mid-afternoon pick-me-up. It has less than five milligrams of caffeine, so it makes for a very non-stimulating coffee alternative that you can have at any time throughout the day, and it's packed with those great adaptogens and antioxidants. I've been whipping mine up with some coconut cream in the middle of a chilly day, and it really hits the spot for that little mid-afternoon treat. But keep in mind, there's no sweetener at all, which is great for us keto ladies. And that means it gives you that chocolatey flavor without the sweetness. You guys are going to love it. It's also still going to do all those same great benefits to support your adrenals and your stress response while giving you a little bit of a boost midday. Then there's the Dirty Rasa, which contains a little bit of organic, fair trade, women-grown and operated coffee mixed in with their original Rasa. This does have a little bit of caffeine for those days when you just need a little extra pizzazz in your day, and also great for those looking to slowly wean themselves off of caffeine or just drink a little bit less caffeine. It's kind of Rasa's idea of a half-calf situation, but again, you're getting those adaptogens, you're getting that health benefit of the original Rasa at the same time. Now, I've actually been mixing both of the two flavors together as my morning pick-me-up, and I have to say it is so yummy. You've got to try it, especially blended with some healthy fats like coconut cream, ghee, coconut oil, MCT oil. Blend that up. It will really hit the spot, whether it's in the morning or maybe even mid-afternoon. Our friends over at Rasa, they love us here at Keto for Women, which means they're giving us 20% off of your order when you go to wearerasa.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number four, women, and you will get 20% off your order. Again, that's wearerasa.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number four, women, and get 20% off your order over on their website. A huge thanks to Rasa for helping this show come to air and for that amazing deal they're giving to all of us. 
Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. A little solo episode for you coming up all about most of our favorite food, dairy. We got to talk about it. I just want to make sure that you know you're truly informed about the options that you have when you do consume dairy, if you consume dairy, what you should be looking for, just so that we're clear and we can make sure to be the healthiest version of ourselves while eating our favorite foods, which I know cheese and cream and butter are your favorite foods. I know that. I can tell. Before we get going on this very hot topic, let's just catch you up a little bit what's going on over here. Just got back from six days, I think, actually, over in California, started out in Anaheim at the Natural Products Expo West Convention, planned to be there for two days and actually finished the entire thing in one day. For those that aren't familiar, this is where all of the natural products go, whether they're old or new. Honestly, even there were quite a few, I would say, that I personally don't consider natural foods. I would say about 80%. But regardless, they were there too. It's the place to go for any products that are in that market to get into grocery stores, to widen their reach, to get into nutritionist hands like me. And so I wanted to go just to get a feel for what's coming out in the natural products world, what already is out that is or is not natural. I just wanted to get my lay of the land, I guess, so that I can pass that information on to you guys as people who are consuming this stuff and not really knowing what's on the ingredient label, what it means, if it's something you should be eating or not. I want to break through all of that. And I will do that in an episode coming up because Kristen was with me. So we have a lot to share based on what we saw, what we learned, what we tasted while we were there. So that will be coming up next week. But it was a really great experience. It is the most massive thing I have ever been to. Multiple buildings, multiple floors, giant convention floors, just never-ending rows and rows of booths that contain natural products. Like I said, didn't even stop at about 80% of them. Then the 20% that we did stop at wanted to kind of check the label, taste some things, and see if they were actually legit. So we'll have all that information for you coming up really fun time. And then from there, like I said, did the whole thing in one day, 8.3 miles walked in a convention center to get to the whole thing in one day. And I'll explain why we did that next week. But from there, we went down to LA and spent the rest of the weekend in LA and had a great time. Got to see some cool stuff. There's so much to do in LA. I feel like you need a year to even visit there and see all the things you want to see, but it was really great. A little chilly for what I would consider California weather to be, but that's okay. We just keep getting followed by cold weather. No big deal. We're used to it. That will be coming up next week. The only other thing I have to share is just a reminder that I will not be running the Fat Burning Female Project now until summer. If you want to get started and don't want to wait until summer to become a fat burning female, to understand how to do keto for you and for your health goals and to get off of the diet roller coaster and just live this amazing keto lifestyle, you can do that with the Fat Burning Female self-study up until 
until it's time for the next class, and then you can upgrade to that class then. So totally have that option always available if you want to get started right now. While I was in LA, I met a few more lovely Keto for Women listeners. We had a great time, lots of really good questions, just really good topics we discussed all as a group. We met at the Oh So Good Bone Broth storefront, which is brand new, just opened in, I think it's West Hollywood, I want to say. I'm not really all that familiar. I got a little bit more familiar with LA, but doesn't really do a whole lot in three days, but had a great time there. They have these bone broth waffles, which are almond flour, eggs, bone broth, and like salt, I think. So delicious. If you live in LA, head over to Oh So Good. You can get the bone broth. You can get a bone broth latte or like, you know, I guess I want to say bulletproof bone broth that they'll blend up for you. You can try their soups and these waffles that are incredible. Had a great time. So thank you to Meredith over at Oh So Good Bone Broth for hooking us up with that. It was so great to meet everyone. I can't wait to do this again. The next time will most likely be at KetoCon at the end of June. I know a lot of you will be there and I want to hopefully figure out a way to set up a meetup. It's totally based on finding a space that will let us do that. And it may just be that I set out for a certain corner of the convention center at a certain time on a certain day, and we try to all meet up and at least give hugs, hear stories, and meet in person. So I'll let you know as that approaches what to expect and how you can sign up to do that. We always just want to get a number. So there will be a sign up. All right, let's move on to this conversation about dairy. Now, before I even get started, I want to make sure that you all know it is 100% your choice if you want to consume dairy or not consume dairy, if you want to try, if you want to eliminate and bring it back in, it's totally your call. What I want to do with this episode is just to educate you so that you know what you're consuming, what it could potentially be doing to your body, and how to make better choices around that. So while it may seem like when I'm reading this, I have an opinion one way or other, I don't. I truly don't. I think there are definitely some people who are relying on dairy that shouldn't be. And I will say, based on experience with the thousands of women I've worked with now, there are a lot of women who see incredible changes for the better when they take out the dairy. So it is totally based on that, but I have no opinion one way or the other whether you do this or not. I just want to educate you. And I I think you all know, but I personally choose to go dairy-free most of the time because I feel better when I don't eat dairy. I feel less inflamed. My skin is way better. I get breakouts when I do eat dairy. So it is very infrequent that I do. And when I do, I always make sure to choose the best source, which we'll talk about today. All right. So The first thing I want to get into is just the history of dairy consumption and what I guess how it has evolved over the years as dairy has become more popular in our society. So as we know, which 
I think a lot of us here know we don't really follow the food pyramid at this point. But if you do look at it, you will see that dairy is highly recommended as part of the food pyramid that we are supposed to go by is part of our governmental plan of foods to eat. Now, I think a lot of you also know that the food pyramid and just all of the food recommendations that our government provides us is kind of hogwash, I guess we'll say. I don't have a better word at the moment. It's crap. It is definitely based on other factors besides our interests or science interests. It is based on the agriculture. It is based on the industry. It's based on money, essentially. So the food pyramid recommending dairy works for the dairy industry, which is a huge industry for our country if you live in the U.S., and this may or may not be the case in other countries. So they are adding that as a recommendation to help the dairy industry, which then helps our economy and so forth. But if you look from an evolutionary standpoint, and this is kind of how I base how I eat for most of my meals is what my body was designed to eat. So of course, our bodies when we are babies are designed to eat human breast milk from our mother. We have the ability to digest that breast milk with a specific enzyme called lactase that breaks down lactose, which is the sugar molecule in dairy. So we need lactase to break down lactose so we can properly digest and absorb the nutrients in dairy products and specifically our mother's milk. We're born with that lactase enzyme. Now, back in the day, as our ancestors ate, they didn't domesticate animals, and so they weren't able to drink milk. They didn't milk cows. They didn't have cows. They had like tigers and buffaloes, and they weren't about to go up to these animals and try to milk them. So milk wasn't something that was available past our early years from our mother back in the day, like we're saying 10,000 years ago and beyond, which seems like forever ago, and you would think that we would have adapted in those 10,000 years, but humans don't adapt that quickly. So we really haven't changed that much in 10,000 years. Because of this, the majority of humans naturally stop producing this lactase enzyme somewhere between the ages of two and five. So your adolescent years after you stop drinking and you get weaned off your mother's milk, you stop the need for the enzyme lactase and our bodies naturally stop producing that in significant quantities. And this is why the majority of humans actually have lactose intolerance, which I think we've all heard of. We know it's a pretty common thing. It's like 65 to 75% of the population has lactose intolerance, and it is very much dependent on your ancestry, where Asian populations have a higher percentage, like 95%, and like Northern Europeans, for example, have a really low percentage, like 10 to 15%. So it's definitely very much based on your ancestry and how much milk drinking was a part of that ancestry as well. So very interesting to see this and how our bodies work, but I just still think it is so 
interesting how if you really think about it, this wasn't something that has always happened or wasn't part of our diet for a very long time up until relatively recently when we started milking cows. And we are the only mammals who are drinking another mammal's milk. Now, that's not to say that it's bad or shouldn't happen, but it is very interesting to think about how we are now drinking the milk that is really supposed to be meant for calves, for baby cows when they are born. We are now drinking that instead of the calf or in addition to the calf drinking that milk. It's a very neither bad nor good, just something that when I think about it, for me, makes a little bit more sense to not take that route or to do so very occasionally instead of all day, every day, which is kind of what the recommendation is by our food pyramid. Which brings me to my next point about what has now taken place to milk in order to make it mass produced, a mass produced product because there are so many people drinking it and the byproducts of it, cheese, cream, other forms of dairy. What needs to happen in order to bring it to us in mass quantities is pretty alarming. So first of all, there's pasteurization, which for me, and I think you'll probably agree, is the most concerning when it comes to the current milk that is on our shelves and milk products, what has happened to this food. So pasteurization is a process that involves putting the milk under high heat. And doing this will destroy enzymes, which we just talked about. We need that lactase enzyme in order to properly digest lactose. And traditional raw, real milk actually contains lactase. When it is pasteurized, that is killed off. So it's destroyed. And then we lack, again, the ability to properly digest it. It diminishes the vitamin content, which again, we are told and milk really is known for its high vitamin content. It's something that we have been taught that we need to drink in order to get calcium and vitamin D, these really important nutrients. When it's pasteurized, those are killed off. It also kills beneficial bacteria and it promotes pathogens. They pasteurize milk because it means that it washes away all forms of bad bacteria, which are often prevalent in the milk prior to being pasteurized because of the large supply of dairy and what they do to cows in order to get this large supply of dairy from each cow or milk from each cow. So it is basically a way to clean dirty milk, which I know sounds really gross. And again, I'm not trying to scare you, but that is what's happening. That's why they have pasteurization in place so that when milk's dirty, they don't have to get rid of it. They can still serve it to us as long as it's been through this high heat, which has essentially destroyed everything good about milk, except for that is actually just milk. Now, in order for cows to be able to make enough milk for the demand that we as consumers are placing on these cows, they have to be treated. They have to, you know, vast majority of them are given a synthetic growth hormone, RBGH, that makes it so that these cows produce even more milk. So they're bringing in almost double the amount of milk that they would if they were 
just raised naturally if they weren't treated with these hormones in order to increase their production, which, of course, this is a synthetic treatment and is not good for the cow or its health or the milk that it is then producing. So when cows are in a milk production facility, they are repeatedly impregnated. So they are constantly getting pregnant so that they have milk to be supplied. And instead of their babies taking the milk, as would normally be the case, the milk is being taken for human consumption instead, which I talked about a few minutes ago. And one of the reasons why when you just start thinking about it, it seems a little crazy to do that to not only the calf, but the cow as well, and kind of interrupting that natural process that should be taking place from a baby to a mother. Now, I know, again, I'm not trying to scare any of you. I'm going to keep repeating this because trust me, there is a way around this. If you still want to consume dairy, don't worry. There's plenty of options. No big deal. But I just want to kind of go through. These are the cons, I guess, of having dairy in your diet. So we're just getting all of this out of the way before there's a bright spot. So don't worry. Don't stop listening now. We have some ways to get around this. But before we do... A few more things I want to kind of get out of the way, some of the stuff, the not so good stuff about consuming dairy, and this now goes to the health complications. So milk consumption has been linked to health conditions such as asthma, heart disease, diabetes, chronic infections like upper respiratory and ear infections, obesity, osteoporosis, cancer of the prostate, ovaries, breast, and colon, allergies, increased tooth decay, colic in infants, growth problems in children, and arthritis. Some of this stuff in this list you might be surprised to hear because, again, we've been told and taught that drinking milk will be great for our calcium levels, which is needed for osteoporosis. It will also be great to support the health of our teeth and eliminate tooth decay and cavities because of the calcium. But again, we just went over how much uh, that vitamin content is depleted with this process of pasteurization, which is the vast, 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 like 98% of the milk products out there right now are pasteurized. So we eliminate that vitamin content, which milk is known to provide. The last thing I want to talk about in this cons list is the addictive effect. And we've talked about this a little bit on Keto for Women's show already in a past episode. But I just want to remind you all because, man, I see this a lot with the women I'm working with in the Fat Burning Female Project and Happy Hormones Project and Good Gut Project, especially in the Good Gut Project where I run the food sensitivity panel on these ladies and 90% of them, maybe even more than that, have a sensitivity to dairy, which we're going to talk about the difference between lactose intolerance, dairy sensitivity, all those coming up. But what I see, because now these women need to eliminate it in order to heal their gut, and some people go through eliminations in the Fat Burning Female Project too, if they're not getting the results they're looking for the first thing to eliminate is dairy. And when they do that, they notice this addictive effect, how hard it is to get off the dairy. And there's a legit reason for this. So casein, which is one of the proteins in milk, it crosses the blood 
brain barrier and become something called casomorphins. Casomorphin sounds like morphine, right? Is an opioid. And Mother Nature, being as smart as she is, designed it that way so that mammals would enjoy the nursing process and want to come back for more so they continue to feed and get healthy and strong. These casomorphins attach to the same brain receptors that other narcotics attach to because they have these opiate molecules built in. So not only that, I think that's obviously the biggest reason why it feels addicting sometimes to some people to consume dairy and gets hard to not consume dairy after a while and why we kind of crave it the way that we do. That's one reason and a big reason. But there's another one, which is also this dopamine response that is released kind of in this reward center that our brain has when we eat these foods like cheese, which is it has a really salty taste because it will encourage us to eat more. And dopamine makes our bodies become attracted to whatever activity caused that response. So again, it's also very addicting because now we also want that dopamine release, which we get from eating foods like cheese. So there's two reasons why it's really hard to not eat dairy. And I see it on a regular basis with the women I work with. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible and it doesn't mean that you need to. So again, don't freak out, but let's keep going because we're going to get into all that in just a second. I want to get through the difference between being lactose intolerant, which we kind of talked about in the beginning, and being sensitive to dairy, which is pretty much just as common. (laughs) But they're different, very different. Lactose intolerant, like I mentioned, when we are past our adolescent age and past when we would be needing or wanting our mother's milk for growth purposes, many of us stop producing lactase, which is the enzyme needed to break down lactose, which is in milk. And this is called lactose intolerance. 65 to 75% of the world's population is lactose intolerant. Just based on this natural thing that happens in our body. Now, there's also certain bacteria, specifically in the lactobacillus strain, that also produce lactase. And when you have a lot of the specific strain, it will really help out and you won't notice this inability to digest dairy that much. Now, if you are deficient in this specific strain, if you have a low level of lactobacillus strain, which is quite common, then that will be another reason for this lactose intolerance that may be happening. So then that builds the 65 to 75% where it's just a genetic thing to be more like 75 to 85%. So that means a lot of people do not have the ability to break down lactose. That's the definition of lactose intolerance. Before we move on with today's topic, I want to remind you all to get your hands on some Four Sigmatic. It is the perfect thing for this time of year. They are all these really nice warming beverages that are also super healing for your body. They use real magic mushrooms. They have functional purposes. These mushrooms, I'm sure you've heard of things like lion's mane, chaga, and cordyceps in this holistic health space we're in and for good reason. These functional mushrooms work to increase your energy, 
decrease your stress levels, increase your brain power, and just make you feel alert and alive and with lower stress. Hello, we all need that, don't we? I think we do. And Four Sigmatic has done it. They use these mushrooms in things like coffee, tea, hot cacaos, and elixirs. So you get all of these benefits with things you're already consuming daily, and they don't taste like mushrooms. They taste like the coffee, the teas, the hot cocos you're used to drinking in a really healthy form. Even better, they come in single-serving packets, so you can take them on the go. They even have K-cup coffee pods for all you Keurig users. They've really thought of everything. I want to spotlight one of my new favorite products from Four Sigmatic, the Reishi Elixir. It contains 1,500 milligrams of Reishi mushroom. Reishi mushroom is one of the most studied mushrooms shown to activate sleep cycles. So you can take this elixir, drink one packet, one hour before bed. You can add in some nut milk, some heavy cream, blend it with coconut oil or butter, make it into this fatty, warm beverage before bed, and you will support your body's natural sleep cycles. I know this is a huge issue for a lot of you women out there. You want help with your sleep, and Four Sigmatic has done it with their Rishi Elixir. I think you should try it. Go ahead, go over to foursigmatic.com slash Sean, S-H-A-W-N. I think you all know that, but just in case, and you will get 15% off that order. You can try the Rishi Elixir. I would try the mushroom coffee if I were you. It's delicious, and so is the chai latte. So, so good for these cold winter days that we're having now. I cannot recommend these products enough. Forsigmatic.com slash Sean, that's F-O-U-R, Sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Sean and get 15% off your order just because you are a KFW listener. Thank you so much to Four Sigmatic for bringing this show to life today. Now, you can also have an allergy to dairy, which would be very obvious. It's very different. It elicits a unmistakable immune response if you are allergic to any food, including dairy. Pretty much right after eating the food, you would get sinus issues, itchy skin, hives, rashes, diarrhea, vomiting, anything to get that offending food out of your body. It would be a very obvious anaphylactic type reaction, and that is a dairy allergy, and that would be the case for any food allergy. It would be really obvious, but again, you can go to your doctor and get that tested. Now, there's also a dairy sensitivity because you could be producing this lactase enzyme, have no actual allergy, but still react poorly to milk and milk products because of the proteins found in the milk, which is casein and whey. It's much more common for people to be sensitive to the casein protein. It's a very similar in molecular structure to gluten. So then There's quite a few people who have a gluten sensitivity that because of this very similar nature also develop a casein intolerance as well and become sensitive to both gluten and dairy. Very, very common and something to consider if you notice that you are sensitive to gluten. That same situation may be taking place in your body when you consume dairy as well. 
dairy sensitivities and really any food sensitivities primarily happen because of a leaky gut or undigested food particles, specifically the proteins in the food particles, getting out of your gut lining because of a leaky gut and getting into your bloodstream which then signals your immune system to go on the defense and really try to protect you from this quote-unquote invader because we're not supposed to have food particles in our bloodstream. That is a foreign invader to our bodies. Leaky guts all over the place. They are very prevalent. They happen from eating processed food, too much sugar, too much stress, imbalance in your gut flora, so not enough good bacteria or too many pathogenic bacteria. The list goes on and on. It is incredibly common, which is why food sensitivities are also incredibly common. We'll get to how to know if you have a food sensitivity coming up. I do just want to really quickly kind of break it down a little bit because there is the possibility that you could be sensitive to some types of dairy, but not all types of dairy. Or even if you have lactose intolerance, you could find that you do tolerate some forms of dairy and not others. And really, the cool thing is, especially with being keto ladies, is most of the dairy products that we are consuming are really high in fat content, like butter and heavy whipping cream, for example. Because they're so high in fat content, they have much less protein and carbohydrate content. The protein is what we are developing sensitivities to. So the casein and the whey, most commonly casein. You dial that down quite a bit and you won't notice a food sensitivity or have a food sensitivity to that food. Same thing goes with the carbohydrates. So lactose is what we are developing an intolerance to and that is the sugar in dairy products. So you get a dairy product with a very low level of carbohydrates obviously means that the level of lactose is going to be low and you may be able to tolerate that form of dairy. Of course, again, we are keto ladies. So we are choosing these foods and staying away from the 1% milk, the skim milk, even the whole milks still have both the protein and the carbohydrate content. A lot of cheeses have the protein content still. So if you are sensitive to the casein or the whey, you could still experience that with some cheeses. Although even with cheese, there are varying levels all over the map. So again, it'd be something where you could try different types of cheese and see how you do with each one. Now, before you do that, we need to talk about doing an elimination of all dairy first in order to truly determine if you are sensitive to dairy. So let's talk about that now. Actually, first of all, let me go back because before you even do that, you may be wondering if you need to. I personally will tell you from experience myself and working with all the women that I have that you should do this. You should do a dairy elimination. Maybe we can get a little keto for women group dairy elimination together so we can all do it at one time for the support. I don't know how that would work, but that would be really cool. Let me see if I can brainstorm on that a little bit this week. But 
Here are just some signs, just in case you're wondering. I think the biggest sign is inflammation that does not leave by going keto. And inflammation could be kind of a joint pain type situation, but a lot of times I see it and I saw it in myself and again with the women I worked with, it's more so like puffiness. It feels like a level of puffiness that does not go away, like a water retention or a bloating type situation that doesn't resolve when you go keto because you're still having dairy as part of your keto diet. It could also be a weight loss resistance thing. You could see it in your skin. Like I said, I break out when I eat dairy. If you have skin breakouts or even eczema, rashes, hives, anything like that, whether or not you've eaten dairy anywhere in the near meals, doesn't matter. Could come up a few days later even. Digestive upset, of course, is very obvious. Now, it is a little harder to know if the digestive upset is from being lactose intolerant or being sensitive to dairy, although I think those that are lactose intolerant, really, they know. It's very obvious because those symptoms very much are digestive in nature, whereas a sensitivity, it may be sometimes it comes up as digestive upset, but then other times it's a skin breakout or it feels like inflammation, joint pain, something like that. If you have continuous mood issues or fatigue, anything like that, while on keto, if you're not feeling that energy spike that you thought you would, because so many people do when they start producing ketones, you're still having those moments of sleepiness or you're still just moody, you're not on this keto high as we like to think of it, then it could be the dairy that's still involved in your keto diet. So those are just some big ones that I see a lot, but there's a lot of other little symptoms that come up. It's all very individual. So really anything where you don't feel like you're feeling as good as you should, where there's something still holding you back from what you should be experiencing or want to be experiencing with your keto journey, give it up. Give it up for at least a month. And now let's go into that. Yes, I will say the best way besides getting an actual food sensitivity test, which the only one I recommend at this point is the MRT food sensitivity test, but that's because that's the one I have learned about, I do myself, I have studied on, and I know how accurate and reliable it is. It doesn't mean there aren't any others out there. It just means I found one that works really well and I really trust, and that's the one I went with. I didn't need to research any longer. There we go. But You can do that. You can find a practitioner that will do that for you. If you can't, the next best way is to eliminate it. Eliminate the offending food completely 100%. I have many people who say, I really reduced my dairy. Is this enough? No, it's not enough. For at least a month, I would say preferably two, eliminate it from your life entirely, all of it try other things, branch out. You can do it. I promise it's not that hard. I've done it for two and a half years. It's totally doable. You still get enough fat in, I promise. You just have to think outside the box a little. But do that for at least a month, preferably two, and then start adding it back in and notice how you feel. This is really important because you can have a sensitivity to something and not know it because that is your body's job. Your immune system is protecting you. It's allowing you to continue going through life and keeping you from feeling this sensitivity because your immune system is taking over. 
Now, as soon as your immune system depletes, as soon as it gets tired, it can't do this forever. When that happens, that's when you start noticing it and feeling it and you feel these symptoms. So we're going to give our immune system a complete 100% break from this offending food. We're going to let it restore itself, get back to normal and stabilized, and then when you do add that food back in right at the beginning, you'll notice it because it is now something that is a new trigger. So you'll feel the heightened immune system go back up to try to protect you again. So if you ignore it and keep going about your dairy journey and eating all the dairy after you've reintroduced, it will go back to potentially you not feeling as bad as you thought or becoming used to those symptoms. But we really want to pay attention to how it feels right when we start reintroducing these foods. Now, don't also go from eating zero dairy to all the dairy and all the different types. Keep it simple. Start with some of the easier ones. Like I mentioned, the butter heavy whipping cream. Start with those and see how you do. Because again, those are often the most tolerated for people in the dairy world. Start with that, then add on some hard cheeses, some that have been aged for a long time. The longer the cheese has been aged, the less casein is in that cheese. So you can start there and just keep kind of adding things on as you go. Give it some time and see how you feel. So the elimination of dairy is pretty much the gold standard Because you get to see how you feel. You get to be really in touch with your body, but you've got to be 100%. You've got to do it and see how it goes. Moving on, I know I said I would tell you the bright spot here, and here it is. We have a bright spot because I am not telling you to never eat dairy again. As I just said, do an elimination, add it back in, see how you feel. However, I do have a caveat, and this is something that is tough. It's challenging, but worth it. And that is to consume raw pasture-raised dairy. I've mentioned it quite a few times before, how our animals are raised really determines the quality of the food that we will get from the animal. That's why I'm really passionate about the quality of meats that we eat as Keto for Women listeners. And this goes for dairy consumption as well. We want to try to stay away from the pasteurization process that our dairy products go through. And of course, along the way, because the large dairy companies had to increase their profits, we have been taught that raw dairy is bad for us. It contains all these harmful things. It might kill us, all this stuff. If you are getting your raw dairy from a quality animal, from a quality farm with good practices, which really truly is the case for I think the vast majority of farms that go the raw route and don't pasteurize their products, you can have a pretty good bet that they are doing the right practices for their animals to make sure that dairy is the best quality it can be. And if that's the case, you are essentially eating a superfood. It takes this like basically milky water, which is what pasteurized dairy has become once it goes through that high heat process and turns it into a superfood. You are getting clean milk from grass-fed cows, which makes it full of healthy amino acids, a full amino acid profile, the beneficial enzymes. So like I said, it will continue to have the lactase that it needs to be digested properly 
in the actual food. So even if you're lactose intolerant, many people have no problem digesting raw milk or raw dairy products when they have lactose intolerance because of that enzyme. Raw pasteurized milk also has natural antibiotic properties, so it helps prevent from pathogenic bacteria. So even if there was some sort of bacteria that the cow had, that would not transmit into the raw milk because of the beneficial bacteria properties, which means it's also great for our guts too and building up our beneficial bacteria. Raw milk has more butter fat, so that means it's also rich in these fatty acids that we need and we try to get a really good balance of in our keto diets, which means it also has tons of fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. It still has the calcium in it that we need and we're told to get from milk. It has vitamin B6, B12, CLA, or conjugated linoleic acid, which has been shown to reduce body fat and protect against cancer. So as you can see, it's a pretty cool food. Now, because it has been, I guess, demonized, quote unquote, in the dairy industry over the past, gosh, I don't know how many years, it's hard to get. Some states don't allow it to be sold in stores, like Colorado, for example. So you do have to find a local farmer to get your supply. I do have access to raw cheese, and raw cheese is actually pretty easy to find. So that could be a place to start while you're looking for a farmer you trust. And then the farmer should be able to provide your cream, your milk, whatever you are using as far as dairy products as well. Now, of course, it's also more expensive. I think, obviously, as you can see in this list, based on the health benefits of it and the lack of health benefits in our pasteurized milk, it's worth it, of course, but that also means you're going to be consuming less, and that's really what we want to do. It's not that dairy needs to be out entirely, but it is such a staple for the keto world that it's becoming a little too much. It's too much on our bodies. It's too much on the dairy industry. It's all just too much. So that means we will take a step back. We'll start learning other foods that we like to eat. We'll kind of get away from that addiction sensation that happens when we consume dairy because there'll be less around. We won't be buying as much of it. It won't be as readily available, as easy to pick up. You'll be savoring it more because it is a little bit more expensive and it makes it a really good situation. So check out your local market. I don't know about regular grocery stores, but definitely the natural foods market, even your farmer's markets could potentially have some raw dairy available, but you should be able to find at least the raw cheeses around in your natural foods market and start there and see how that goes. But first, do the elimination. That's a great thing. Do the elimination while you're in your 28 days to two months situation. Start finding the farmer you want to try out. Do your research there. Just use Google or maybe talk to some neighbors or friends you have in the community to see what they do. And start looking in your stores for when you do add in dairy find that raw version and start there. So you'll have something to look forward to and you can start with the good stuff and add that back in and you should have hopefully fewer problems. 
I have a few more suggestions. The first is to eat fermented dairy. So also, people have seemed to have less problems with things like yogurt, kefir, or kefir, however you want to pronounce it. I don't know which way to pronounce it. I say kefir. Or no, I don't. I say kefir. I think I say both. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) find that thing and eat that. Any fermented dairy is going to have a better probiotic benefit, of course, to our system. So that beneficial bacteria will increase in our own systems. It also makes it a healthier choice for that dairy product as well, and a lot more tolerable for people, whether they have lactose intolerance or dairy sensitivity. Even better if you can find raw yogurt. Like I mentioned, I'm having raw camel milk yogurt right now, and it's interesting but really, really doing great things for my gut. So you could try that. The other tips I have are for your time spent in elimination, or if you decide that dairy just isn't something that you want to consume really ever or all that frequently, these are my suggestions. The first question I get all the time is, how do I get my fats in if I don't have dairy? There are so many dairy alternatives these days. And even better, there are a lot of dairy alternatives that also don't involve soy. Back in the day when I first went dairy-free, like seven years ago, when I started eating a paleo diet, it was kind of hard to find good quality dairy alternatives that didn't contain soy. It was like milk or soy milk, and there was almond milk. So that was good. I went with that route. But nowadays, there's so many other things. So yes, they are nut-based or coconut-based for the most part, but they have turned them into all sorts of cheeses and creamers and just everything. I love Nut Pods Creamer. I think that's delicious. You can give that a try. I really like tree Line Cheese, which is, I believe, almond-based cheese. I love Kite Hill cheese, which is a cashew-based cheese. I might have those mixed up, actually. It might be Tree Line is cashew and Kite Hill is almond. I can't remember right now, but either way, they are delicious, great alternatives. And just start exploring with other things. You can also use ghee instead of butter, which you may find out that you like ghee better than butter, which was the case with me. Find that at your local health food store as well or online. Coconut cream is delicious. You can use that as creamer or just for anything that calls for milk, any sort of recipe that calls for milk. You can use coconut milk or coconut cream in its place. You want to get those in the, they're usually actually in the Asian foods aisle and they'll be in a can. You can also get the coconut milk that's in the carton. It's just a lot waterier, so it won't necessarily work that well as creamer or anything like that. But you can also get that. Just check the label to make sure it's unsweetened. And that's really true for anything that you're going to pick up that's new. Read the label because a lot of them will contain sweetener or other weird things in them that you don't want. So find the one that is unsweetened, read the label, check the ingredients, make sure that it fits what you're looking for before you purchase because it's a new item and we always have to do that with our new items. Just a note too that eggs are not dairy. I get that question surprisingly a lot. Not dairy and also neither are mayo. If you make mayo yourself or use like a primal kitchen mayo, And my ranch dressing is dairy-free as well. So you can head to my website, make that, and you will have no problem getting your fats in, I promise. The other question I get a lot is how else 
to get calcium. And like I just shared, if you are going traditional pasteurized milk products, you're not really getting that much calcium either. If you're going raw dairy, it's a great source of calcium. So you can try that after you do your elimination. But the cool thing is that there are a ton of other great sources of calcium in our natural food sources, which are almonds, kale, oranges, collard greens, broccoli, spinach, sesame seeds, other dark leafy green vegetables, sea vegetables, sardines, salmon. There's a lot of other good ways to do it. It doesn't have to come from milk. If you are eating a good variety of vegetables and meats, you're not going to have a problem. And make sure you're getting your vitamin D as well. That has been shown to be much more important than calcium when it comes to preventing fractures and osteoporosis. So the bone health stuff We need vitamin D more importantly than we need calcium. So make sure you're getting your vitamin D. The vast, vast, vast majority of people need to supplement with that. So grab a supplement. If you're not getting a ton of unexposed sun time with your skin, which I know most of us aren't these days, you can still get it in your supplements. No big deal. And then the last tip I want to share is if you're going dairy-free and you're trying the elimination, really make sure you're checking all of your products, not just the food, because there are dairy products in your supplements, in your prescription medications, even in like packaged, quote-unquote, real food things that you wouldn't expect just really, really check it out and make sure that you are fully eliminating so you can give your body and your immune system the rest that it needs. All right. I think we covered all of the info I wanted to share with you guys today. Again, I hope this doesn't scare you or make you think that I'm anti-dairy. I'm not at all. I think it's totally based on each person as the individual. The only thing is that I work with too many people too often that are having issues and not taking into account their dairy consumption. And I want that to end because I think that we can learn a lot about ourselves and our bodies and our keto diet if we just look at some of the foods that we're consuming a lot of and see if we're reacting to them. And dairy is just one of the most common ones. It just is. That's how it goes. So if that's you, if you're still struggling, if you're not feeling 100% and you're not sure why, this could be it. And I want you to get those answers so you do feel as good as you can. So you are on this path to health and really living and loving your keto diet as much as you can. So it may be that this is what needs to happen. If so, just know you have my support. Just know that it is totally possible. If you need inspiration, you can head over to my Instagram or Facebook. I post a lot of what I eat over there, and it's all dairy-free. I also have recipes over on my website at seanminer.com that you can check out that are also all dairy-free, especially that ranch one. That one's like kind of famous. You're going to want to get your hands on that and start making it. You'll have no problem getting your fats in because you'll just want to eat ranch dressing all day. All right, ladies, next week, we will be back talking about what we saw and tasted at the Expo West, what we're finding to be the case with a lot of these keto products that honestly, I'm really, really concerned about and really want to put an end to. And we'll do that here on the Keto for Women show. 
That will all be next week. Plus, we're getting through all of your questions remaining about why you're gaining weight while following a keto diet. All right, ladies, we'll talk to you then. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.